So the Jewish people are just over a year after leaving Egypt and they are ready to enter the land of Israel. And the Jewish people are a bit apprehensive because the nations living in the land, there were seven nations living in the land of Israel, and they decide we should send spies to the land of Israel to figure out what's the best way to enter, the best way to conquer and settle the land of Israel. So God agrees, Hashem agrees to send the spies and they choose one man per tribe. There are 12 tribes and one man per tribe is selected and the 12 spies are sent off to the land of Israel and they spend their 40 days touring the land. And they come back after 40 days and unfortunately they come back with a bad report. They say, oh, the people living there are mighty, the fruit there are, is strange, they brought back these big fruits and they start saying all oh, negative things about the land and they say, let's stay here in the desert, God won't be able to help us, we're going to be crushed, we're going to be, we're going to, we're going to be, um, annihilated if we come to the land of Israel, let's just stay here. And obviously, that wasn't what they were sent for. They were sent to find out what's the best way, not if we can go or we can't go. If God took them out of Egypt and God gave them the money in the desert, God for sure can, can take care of them. But only 10 of the spies came back with a bad report. Two of them, Yehoshua and Kalev. Kalev was the representative from the tribe of Yehuda, of Judah. And Yehoshua, Joshua, was Moses the student, he was from the tribe of Ephraim. And they came back with a good report, but the Jews didn't listen to the two of them, they listened to the ten of them, and the Jews started crying. And God said, 40 years for 40 days. You didn't trust in me, you're going to stay here in the desert for 40 years until you reach the age of 60 and they'll die out, and the next generation will come to the land of Israel. Interesting that the women did not... Um, did not sin. It says the women didn't die. The men died at the age of 60, but the women, they were the ones, they, they cherished the land, they, they loved the land. Today we're going to talk about Yeshua. We'll start with Yeshua. Yeshua came back with a good report. How was he so successful in coming back with a good report? So let's take a look at source number one, which will be the entry to our discussion today in Hasidic. Uh, so he, he was told to destroy, it actually was Canaan, right? Mm -hmm. and, and God wanted the Hebrews to kill these people off. Is that correct? It's correct, no, not necessarily correct, but uh, that's not, the discussion today is specifically about the names. So we're going to talk about the names of the spies, or one of the spies that was sent to the land of Israel. And we'll take a look at source number one. <coughs> These are the names. Go on. Okay. These are the names of the men Moses sent to scout the land. This was after listing all of the names. It, it uh, says these are the names of the men that, Mo that Moses sent. And Moses called Hosea the son of Nun. Joshua, Yoshua. My name, my first name is Yoshua. I have two names, Yoshua, and second name is Heshel. It's the name in Yiddish, which nickname is Heshi. But Yoshua is, we find the name Yoshua right here. Moses had a student. His name was Yoshua, but his original name was Hosea. So he just mispronounced it. Or? It was Hosea. And what does the Torah say here? That before Moses sent him off with the rest of the spies, it says Moses gave, changed his name. Moses called Hosea the son of Nun. He replaced his name. They changed his name and called him Yehoshua. We'll say it in Hebrew. In English is Joshua. But his name was Hosea and he changed it to Yehoshua. And in Hebrew, so we have here the name. So let's cover the Yud. His name was Hosea. Four letters. Hosea. Right, which means to help, like Hoshea, we say, we say in davening, Hoshea, Hoshea, Yeshua, Yeshaya, these are all names, like the prophet Isaiah, in Hebrew it's Yeshaya, because 
He prophesies about the redemption, about uh, salvation. And he changes, he added a Yud to his name, Yehoshua. Why is that? So let's take a look in the next line. He prayed on his behalf, may God save you from the council of the spies. By adding a Yud, his name comprised also of God's name because Yud and Hey are the first two letters of God's name. Wait, if you, not the way we pronounce it, but the way it's written, right? Not Ado, but the way it's written is Yud. The full name is Yud and then Hey, Vav and Hey. But sometimes just the first two letters are brought. It's also a name of God, like Kol HaNeshama Tehalel Yah. Hallelujah. That's Yud and a Hey. That's God's name. And he adds a name, Moses adds a letter to his name, praying for him, saying, Where sh you should have salvation, salvation from God. God should help you. God should save you from the counsel of the spies. So Moses already detected that he wasn't sure if this is leading to the right, they're going to come back with a, with a good report. It wasn't even his idea to send the spies. He didn't need spies because God is going to take care of them. But the Jews wanted to send uh, send them out, so Moses uh, agreed, but he was worried, if you can say, and therefore he prayed for, Yehosh for Hosea by adding God's name, adding a letter to his name, praying for him, saying, may God save you from the counsel of the spies, and indeed he came back with a good report. So that will be the opening for today's class, where we see in our Parsha, and it's interesting because I mean, a name is just a name. We want seemingly a name is we want to we need to refer to him, so we call him a name. We can call him anything. We decided that his parents decided to call him Hosea, so you can pray for him. But how by changing his name, or we see here that cha the change of a name has great significance. It's not just praying for him to be successful. He changed his name, right? That shows that a name carries lots of weight. And another place where we find this, let's take a look in Source 2. We find this in numerous places in the Torah. In Source 2, hopefully you're familiar with Yaakov and Esav, the first set of twins that the Torah talks about. Born to Yitzchak, to Isaac and Rivka. Isaac and Rebekah were childless for 20 years after being married. 20 years, finally they gave birth to twins, two boys, Yaakov and Esav. Esav was the older one. And the Torah tells us that at 13 years old, Esau sold his firstborn, the right to the firstborn, to his younger twin. Not getting into the details, but he sold. And then, um, many years later, when they were in their 60s already, and their father, Isaac, became blind, he became uh, hard, of, hard to see. And he wanted to bless his son Esav. He wanted to bless his son Esav. And Yaakov, without getting into all the details of the story, but Yaakov dressed up, his father was blind, he dressed up like his brother Esau was hairy, and he got the blessings. Right? And when Esau found out about that, that his younger brother stole his blessings, source 2, Esau said, is it for this reason that he was named Jacob? For he has deceived me twice. He took my birthright, and behold, now he has taken my blessing. In Hebrew, Yaakov means uh, trickery, right? And it's explained why he has such a name. It means many things. One of the things it means is that, and Asa expressed himself saying, is that why he is called Yaakov? Because he tricked, he, he got me, Asa came home one day really hungry, and Yaakov said, I'll give you some soup if you sell, they made a deal if you, if you sell me the firstborn, and he gave him some lentil soup. And here again, he dressed up and got the blessings, right? So Asa said, aha, that's why he's called Yaakov. Yaakov means deceit. Yaakov means that he tricked me. He tricked me twice. He got my first, my, uh, my birthright, and now he got my blessings. Again, he referred to it in the name. I mean, what's the big deal? His name is Yaakov. What, is that? what does his name have to do with anything? They happened to call him Yaakov. Obviously, a name has some influence on what's, on what's happening. 
talking about Yaakov, another place where we find the significance of a name. Yaakov had to run away. His brother Esau got really mad that he stole the blessings. He ran away. He wanted to kill him. So Yaakov had to run away to his uncle Laban Lavan in Haran, where he got married and had children. And when he came back, he had a, uh, a wrestle. Who did he wrestle with? Malach. With a Malach, with an angel. I think it was Gabriel, I think. And the, source 3, the angel said to him, What is your name? The whole night they were wrestling. And this was the, the angel of, of, of Esau, as is explained. And he was not able to win over Jacob, win over Jacob. And the angel said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. And the angel said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, Israel, because you have commanding power with an angel of God and with men. And you have prevailed. You, you have prevailed over, over Lavan, you, you know, being there for many years. And you, were, and you had prevailed over the angel of God. He was not able, the, the angel was not able to win over him. And Rashi explains a little bit deeper, what does this mean? It shall no longer be said that the blessings came to you through trickery and deceit, but with nobility and openness. Yisrael comes from the word Sar, which means a minister, a nobleman. So his name was Yaakov, which originally somehow Esau uh, connected that to receiving the blessings through trickery. And the angel is saying, oh, now it's time for you to really deserve the blessings. Now your name is Yisrael, which comes from the word Sar. You, uh, you are ministering over the angels. But now you were, you, um, the blessing should come to you with openness and nobility. Without getting into the details of that story, but we see that the angel changed his name. You know, if the you do deserve the blessings, you don't deserve the blessings. What's the what's this whole business with names? Seemingly, a name is just, you know, you, we need a, a way to refer to to each other. So we decide on a name. If you want to, you don't like your name, you can change your name, right? My sister. Oh, we'll talk about we'll talk. Okay, we'll talk about the uh, name changes soon. But these are some examples where we see. We see a significance to names. Source number four. Another place where we find the significance to names. The Jewish people were redeemed from Egypt in the merit of four things. The Midrash tells us four things that the Jewish people uh, was to their merit that they were redeemed. They did not change their names. They did not change their language. They did not reveal their secrets. They did not break down into forbidden sexual relationships. Four things the Midrash enumerates that was to their merit. Even though the Jews somewhat assimilated that they did not keep all of the traditions of their grandparents, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They didn't have a bris. You know, it says that when they left, when they had came time to leave Egypt, they had a mass uh, um, circumcision and other, uh, and other mitzvahs that they reinstated. But uh, many of the things were forgotten over the 200 years that they were in Egypt. But there were four things that did stay with them. Their identity. And their identity was, was in, uh, in the fact that they did not change their names. They came down as Ruve and Shimon and Levi, Yehuda. They had Jewish names and they kept their names. Throughout going from seven, a family of 70 souls to, over, to between 2 and 3 million. They kept the Jewish names. As well as other three things. So we'll focus in on the Jewish names. Well, the Jewish names is something that kept them. So is it just about identity, that they had a Jewish name, or there's something deeper to names? And source number five, an interesting story we find in the Torah, that, that uh, King Pharaoh, let's take a look, source five, the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, one who was named Shifra, and the second who was named Pua. And he said, when you deliver the Hebrew woman, and you see on the birth stool, if it is a son, you shall put him to death. But if it is a daughter, she may live. This was the decree of King Pharaoh in Egypt, that the Jewish boys should be slaughtered and then thrown into the Nile. This was the, the, the first of many decrees against the Jewish children. But interesting is that it says, Pharaoh spoke, the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, who was named Shifra and Puah. Now, we don't find any names Shifra and Pua amongst the Jewish people. Who, what were their real names? The Talmud tells us. Well, the real names were Yocheved. Well, there are two opinions. One is Yocheved and Miriam. Yocheved was the mother of Moshe. Moses' mother. His father's name was Amram. 
who was a great grandson of Levi. I'll give you the you have Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And Moses was the seventh generation from Abraham. That's where it comes from. The expression all seventh, call Ashvin Chaviv, and all seventh are, are cherished. The number seven, Shabbos is the seventh day. Moshe was the one that led the Jews out, Jews out of Egypt. Was the, gen, the seventh generation. He had Avram, Yitzchak, J, uh, Isaac, Jacob. He had a son Levi. Levi. Moses was a Levi. Levi had a son Kahas. Kahas had a son Amram. And Amram had a son Moshe. And Amram married a woman named Yocheved. And we learned was last week, right? We learned last week that Moses had an older sister, Miriam. Mother and daughter Miriam and Yocheved were the midwives. So why is it calling them Shifran Pua? It's not a very, no one today, is, nobody has a name Pua. It's not a Jewish name. Why did, why did he call them Shifran Pua? So one explanation is that Pharaoh was the one that gave them these names. Pharaoh didn't like their Jewish names. Yocheved, Miriam, they were too Jewish for him. And he wanted to influence them to kill their brethren, to kill the Jewish boys. Pharaoh knew that if they're going to have Jewish names, they're never going to be able to kill Jewish boys. So what did Pharaoh do? Pharaoh changed their names. Source 6. This is an explanation of the Dinavar Rebbe, one of the great Hasidic Rebbes from about 200 years ago. Pharaoh thought that once they were called by Egyptian names, this would have a psychological effect upon them. It would change their essential character and natures to such an extent that they would now be capable of murdering Jewish children. Only then did he give them the commandment to kill the boys. It was actually Paroi, the king of Egypt, that changed their names to some, I guess, Egyptian names. But whether we accept this explanation or not, we see that there is much significance to names. So we see it in the story of the spies that Moses changed the name of Joshua to, to, from Hosea to Yeshua. We see it by Esau and Yaakov. We see it when they, the merit of leaving Egypt. We see this by the midwives. So what is the significance of a name, of a Jewish name? So we'll start with a story that's brought in the Talmud. An interesting story, but it will lead us into a discussion to the deeper meaning of names. The Talmud in Tractate Yuma tells us, so actually let's first uh, take a look at Source 7. Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Meir was one of the great sages of the, of the Talmud, of the Mishnah. Rabbi Meir would analyze names and discern one's nature from his name. From a person's name, he was able to figure out what kind of person this is. And the Talmud brings a story. The story is Rabbi Meir was going, was traveling along with two of his colleagues, Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yossi. They were traveling on the road. And Rabbi Meir, as we just read, he would always analyze names. Now, obviously, this is to an extreme, and Rabbi Meir was a holy person. When they came to a certain place, they asked for lodging. And they were given lodging. They asked uh, the innkeeper, the, the owner, what is your name? And he said, my name is Kidor. And Rabbi Meir said, oh, this man is a, is a wicked man because the, the word Kidor, he brings a verse here which is associated with, uh, with, with um, evil people. But the other two said, oh, you crazy, you know, wow, just because his name is uh, Kidor or we're not going to trust him. The other two, Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yossi, they entrusted their purses. I guess that was the custom then. They gave their, their purses to the owner. Oh, it says here it was Friday. Rashi says it was Friday. And they gave it to him to safeguard it over Shabbos. Because we don't handle money on Shabbos. But Rabbi Meir said, no, I'm not entrusting him with my purse. He went and he dug up uh, a grave. He, he dug up a... That's what it says there. It says he dug up the, near the grave of the owner's father. And he put the money there. His money there for Shabbos. That evening, Friday night, the host appeared in a dream. The host's father appeared uh, to the father in a dream, to the host in a dream, and he tells his son, "Take the money that's lying near my head." So the next day, the host came and he said uh, to, to the rabbis, "I had this dream." So he said, uh, "The dream has no substance. There's nothing. Uh, there's nothing to the dream." <laughs> So Rabbi Meir, after Shabbos, went to the grave and he took his... I'm, I'm sorry, Rabbi Meir, right away, he, 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 was, he was worried this guy's going to listen to the dream. A whole Shabbos, he was standing near the grave to make sure that uh, it wasn't stolen. 
The next day, after Shabbos, the other two rabbis, Rabbi and Rabbi go to the owner and they say, uh, give us back our money, give us back our purses. And the owner says, I don't know what you're talking about. You never gave me any purses. So Rabbi Meir told them, why didn't you examine the names like I did? So they, uh, so it goes on the whole, whatever. But we see here from this story, Rabbi Meir, from a name, he was able to discern, he was able to see that this is a suspicious kind of person. Now it doesn't mean that every time we hear such a name, but Rabbi Meir was the holy man. From a name, he was able to retrieve information about the person. How is that? Seemingly a name is just a name. So let's go to the beginning of creation where we'll see the concept of naming. Source 8. The Lord God formed from the earth every beast of the field and every fowl of the heavens and he brought it to man to see what he would call it. And whatever the man called each living thing, it was his, that was its name. Torah tells us in Genesis that God created animals, created the beasts, He created man. And then He brought the animals to man to see what He would call the animals. Not, not necessarily the names, you know, Jesse and the names for each specific animal, but the general kinds, the species. What is it? Why did God do that? Source 9. Midrash gives us some background information. When God came to create man, he consulted with the angels. He said, said they to him, this man, what is his worth? Why do we need a man? We have so many, we're, we're great angels up here. Why do we need man? Said he to them, God tells the angels, his wisdom is greater than yours. Angel said, really? God brought before them the beasts, the wild animals and the birds and asked them, God asked the angels, this what is its name? And they did not know. What kind of animal is this? What kind of animal is this? And they did not know. He then brought them before man. And man said, This is a shor. This is an ox in Hebrew. This kind of animal. This is a chamor. This is a donkey. This is a sus. This is a horse. And this is a gamo. This is a camel. And so and so and so, so on. All the animals, all the birds. He gave them their, their name. Their general name. Can I ask you a question? Yes. Where does this concept of angels come from? It's a great question. Uh, well, it's not directly related, I don't think, right here. So let's first finish this concept. It's on your website. I looked it up. I looked that up like a week ago. It's on the Chabad website, the whole thing about angels. Yeah. There's, the there's lots to talk about angels. Chabad.org. And I'll tell you... I just read it. Mm -hmm. About what? Angels. angels. Yeah. And what they think about it. Yeah. So tell me... What is the big deal to name the animals? I mean, are the angels that stupid? They can't figure out that they can't... What does it mean? Adam said, this is a shore, this is an ox. I mean, how do we... Let's say in English, we call this an ox. You don't have to be a genius to call something an ox. They had a, some sort of conference, probably, and they came up and they said, this animal with this shape horn, this is going to be called an ox. And this kind of animal is a camel. I mean, the angels couldn't say, oh, this is a this, this is a that. It's just a name. It's just how to refer to this species of animals. And God says, oh, the man is a, he's wise. He has wisdom that surpasses the wisdom of the angels. He knows what the name of the animals are. I mean, it's just a name. Obviously, it's more than that. When what is it? Source 10. We know the world was created with 10 utterances. How did God create the world? The Torah tells us. How did he create the world? He had a big hammer. How did he create the world? With speech. The, the Mishnah says the world was created with ten utterances. The first one, God said, let there be light. Open the book of Genesis. It said, and God said, there shall be light. And there was light. God said, there shall be animals. And there was animals. And there were ten utterances, ten general utterances. And the world came into being. Okay? At least this is the Torah's perspective. Right? The world was created through speech. Whatever speech, God doesn't have a mouth, but there are words. There are words. The, the, the words in Hebrew. Source 11. This is a, we'll, teach, we'll, we'll share here a Hasidic a concept, principle, based on the teachings of Kabbalah, which will give us some deeper meaning into names. The 22, Source 11. The 22 sacred letters of the Hebrew alphabet are the spiritual building blocks of all created reality. 
the name of the thing in the holy tongue. And he, the ancient Hebrew is called holy tongue because it comes originally from the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet which were uttered by God represents the combination of sacred letters that reflect its distinct characteristics and the purpose and role towards which it was created. So each one of the 22 letters of the alphabet are a building block, right? Like you have all kinds of material to build a house. You'll have wood and you'll have metal and you have, be you have all kinds of things. And you, how you put it together is how, how it's going to look, well, how big the room is going to be and what, what, uh, how much light there is, how, how you build a house is based on the materials, how you put them together. So each one of the 22 Hebrew letters, its form, its sound, its, its energy that, it, that comes with the letter is an energy, it's a godly energy. And based on the combina combination the, of the letters, that it makes up the energy the, for, for the creation of that specific thing. So take, for example, a stone. Right? The stone in Hebrew is called, how do you say a stone in Hebrew? Even. Three Hebrew letters, Aleph, Bet and a nun. Aleph, bet, nun. So if you put the aleph first and then a bet and then a nun, that is the life force. This combination makes up a stone. If you change it around or you do different letters, each thing makes up another thing. And, and God said, or, aleph, vav, ratios, or. So these three letters make, is, the, is the building blocks and the code for light. Yeah, let's read that again. Source, 20, uh, source 11. The 22, sa uh, 22 sacred letters of the Hebrew alphabet are the spiritual building blocks of all created reality. The name of a thing in the holy tongue represents the combination of sacred letters that reflects, so the name is, a, is the combination of the letters that, and that the name reflects its distinct characteristics and the purpose and role towards which it was created. And if you put Aleph Bed Nun, it spells heaven, it's going to be heavy and it's not going to have any life, it can't grow, it's just going to be a stone. But if you, if you put a word which is uh, perach, which is a flower, that means this combination has life and it grows from the ground and it has colors and it has so many, you know, it's, it's not, it has texture, it's, it's soft. And all the, the codes, you know, the computer codes that go in to create this specific thing, this specific creation. The name of any given entity in Hebrew, in the original Hebrew, is thus a precise description of its essence expressed through the combination of the letters that form its name. Okay, source 12 will explain a little bit more. Therein lies the difference between, the Hebrew and between Hebrew and other languages. In all other languages, a word is assigned to an existing entity. You have an ox, and you want to know, you have an animal, and you want to know, how should I refer to this animal, right? So you can choose. If me and you decide on something, then we can decide to call it an ox. What if, and this will be called a camel. What if we decide, no, a camel with a, a animal with a hump, we're going to call that an ox. We're going to call this a camel. Then it's also going to be fine. No one's going to make, no, it's not going to be a problem because not, there's, there's no connection between O and X and this animal. It's just that we decided to call it. There is an ox. There is an animal. And after this animal is already into being, we're going to decide how to call it. But in Hebrew, in ancient Hebrew, in holy tongue, it's the opposite. How did this animal get here? It got here through a, through a name. It got here through letters. Not through O and X. It got here through, through Hebrew letters. Shin, Vav, Resh, Shor. Shor is the Hebrew, the, the three Hebrew letters of the combination for the existence of this animal. In order to have an animal that looks like an ox and acts like an ox, then it's Shin, Vav, Resh. You want to have an animal, animal that's like a camel with a hump and, and, and looks like that? And that is Gimel, Mem, Lam, and Gamal, which is a camel. An ox is Shor? Shor. What is Shor a certain kind of ox. Shor Bor is a company. But th that's the point here. So let's read that. Source 12. In all other languages, a word is assigned to an existing entity. In Hebrew, a word precedes its subject, creates it, and constitutes its very being. The name of it in Hebrew, how we refer to it, we're talking about the general species, for man is Adam, Adam is the name for man, Aleph, Dalid, Mem, is the highest, it's the life force for and the makeup of, of man. It articulates the divine desire that it be, exists, expressing its creator's perception of its qualities and functions. The name expresses the creator's, God's perception of its, its qualities and function of the end toward which it created. So the name brings out everything about it. What it how it was created and, and, and what it was created for. 
So is it such an easy thing for, for someone to see without knowing the name and figure out what the name is? That's very hard. The angels couldn't figure that out. Source 13. The Hebrew name for something is an expression of its essence and nature. So in naming each creature, Adam had to analyze the essence and nature of each one and thereby deduce its name. God didn't tell him the names. He wanted to show the angels that Adam knows. Adam is wise. He has such wisdom that he can see, look at creation and see, it, see it's, uh, it's, 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 it's life force. It's makeup. Which letters were used, which combination was used to create it. Adam named, and, and he was successful, Adam named each creature correctly, showing the angels his wisdom. The names he gave them were the words God used to create them. When God created an ox, he used shor, just like he said, he or there should be light. It doesn't say clearly, but shor, the letters shin, vav, resh, and that combination, that was what was used to create them. Adam didn't know that. Adam wouldn't have known that. The angels didn't know that. Adam was able to look at the animal and, and obviously being a holy person was able to deduce it, its name. Even though the human race on the whole no longer possesses Adam's deep spiritual insight, when parents choose a name for their child, their choice is subconsciously guided by divine inspiration to suit the particular soul characteristics of the child. I like the tune? Yes, because no. Last time I said I love when you do that, like Rabbi Brickman, you didn't know what I was talking about. Okay, now I know. So that's what I was talking about. <laughs> that's right. exactly what I was talking about. But you were doing that when you were discussing Talmud with another student. Right? Mm -hmm. That's how. That's how we learn. Yes, it helps you uh, think. So. Adam was successful in naming the animals, but the same thing goes for people. So specific names for people is the name, a person's name is the specific makeup for that person. Now, we're not Adam. If the angels couldn't figure it out, for sure we can't figure it out. So we see here, let's, see, let's take a look at uh, source 14. Our Hebrew name functions as a conduit channeling spiritual energy from God into your soul and your body. Actually, it's fascinating that if you take the name, how do you say a name in Hebrew? Shem. 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 Shemot is names. Shem is two letters, Shin and Mem. Okay? Who's the, who likes a gematria? Shin, each letter has a gematria, a numerical value, a number. Shin is 300. And final Mem is 40. 340 is Shem. A name is 340. Now there's a word for a pipe, for a channel. In Hebrew it's Tsinor. That's the word in Hebrew, Tsinor, right? Tsinor. A plumber needs sometimes some pipes. Tsinor. Tsinor is Tzadik, which is 90. Nun is 50. Resh is 200. That's 340. 250, 290, plus 50, 240. Because a name is, a, is the channel, is the conduit from which God's energy, the divine energy, comes to the person. The name, back to source 14, channeling spiritual energy from God into your soul and your body. A person's name is not a mere label. That, a label, how, how to refer to this person, will give them a label. It's not just a way to refer to a person. It expresses the essence of its bearer. It is the divine, the makeup of the person. And it brings out his characteristics, how exactly this person will come out. The letters that make up your name, its sound and its meaning are descriptions of your soul. Only a prophet has the vision and foresight to know which name fits the soul of your child. So Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Meir was similar, if you can say to Adam, he was able to hear a name and say, oh, I can, I can feel, I can sense or at least be suspicious about this person from his name. We can't all do that. So how do we know what to name our child? I mean, naming a child is a big deal. It's done by the Torah, by a boy, it's done by a bris, when a boy is giving a bris, so they have a, we have a special ceremony giving the, the boy a name. A girl is given a name by the Torah. It's done with great fanfare, it's a special thing. How do we know what name to choose? How are we? We're not at it. How do we know what is the right name for this person? What is the, the, the life force for this person? So, we have the Kabbalah which teaches us that 
So uh, uh, a par uh, parent once came to one of the Belze Rebbe's. Bells is a Hasidic sect, mainly in Israel. Uh, they come from a town, I guess, somewhere in Poland or Ukraine. Bells is a song. You should know the song. Mein Städtele Bells. Um, somebody reminiscing about his town where he grew up. Bells. And one of the older, the first Bells or Rebbe's, uh, somebody came, a chassid came to him and said, what name? We had a, a child. What name should we name our child? And the Rebbe told him, you're coming to me because I have uh, Ruach HaKodesh. I have uh, holy, I have holy, better vision, if you can say, right? Uh, but I have, I have that all the time. Or holy people have it all the time. But parents only get it once in a while. When it comes time to name their child, what does it say in Kabbalah Source 15? When a person is born and his father and mother give him a name, the Holy One puts in their mouths the name that belongs to that soul. It's called a miniature, a minor prophecy. It's not just, oh, let's name this an ox. Oh, let's name this a camel. We can change it around. No, no, no. When parents name the child, it is a, it's like a prophecy. God is subconsciously giving, putting it into their minds. Maybe because they have a grandparent, maybe because they like this name. And why do you like that name? You like the name, right? You like the name uh, David? What's your son's name? David, right? David. David, yeah. Why do you like King David? Because David, you like King David. His name is David Tzvi Akiva. David Tzvi Akiva, right? Uh, you like the name. Excuse me, that we have to... It really isn't free will. will you mean, you're suggesting that. You have free will to feel what you want, but God directs, if you can say, in this specific uh, instance of, of, of giving a name. So the name is not just a random name. It is specifically, God guides us, if you can say, what name to give the child. Because that is his essence. That is who he is. And that is why we find source uh, 16. we find that when we wish to revive someone who has fainted or fallen, let's say somebody falls into a faint. What's the first thing you do? You try to get them to wake up. You can pour some water on them. What are you going to do? You call them by their name. Well, their name is going to help. I mean, they, they, if you want to scream, scream anything. Why are you screaming their name? They're going to they're gonna know their name. Name is just a name. Obviously, the name is really connected to the person because what happens when somebody faints? Or the same thing when somebody's sleeping. You don't just make noise, you'll, you'll whisper into their ear, you'll, it doesn't have to be about screaming, just calling their name can wake them up from their sleep or from their, from their uh, faint. Why? Because what happens when somebody sleeps, they're, they're I'm not a, I don't know, doctor or scientist, but uh, from what I understand, a person sleeps, their, their soul or part of their, their energy their, leaves their body, it's not fully present, it goes into a different mode, especially when somebody faints. And there, according to what it says in, in, in the Talmud, that uh, it's a certain percentage of death when a person goes to sleep. And for sure a faint, and for sure someone's unconscious, right? So the soul sort of leaves the body, the energy is not there. And by the name is like the address of the soul. It's the combination of their energy. And somewhat it's not fully present in the body. So when we call the name, we are drawing the name back down into the body and a person should wake up. Right? We find that when we wish to revive someone who has fainted or fallen asleep, we call him by his name. By calling his name, we arouse his vital force at its source and draw vitality down into the body. The name is very much connected to that person. The story is told of the Alter Rebbe, the first Chabad Rebbe. He had his grandson on his lap. The Alter Rebbe's daughter, her name was Devorah Leah, passed away young, and her son... Menachem Mendel, who was known as the Tzemach Tzedek, who was the great-great-grandfather of our Rebbe, was a little boy, he was not even three years old at the time. So the Alter Rebbe promised his daughter that he, he will take care of his education. He was very close to his grandson. And uh, the, the young boy was sitting on his lap, and his grandfather asked him, Where is Zayde? Where is grandfather? So the boy pointed, Rabbi Rickman shared the story, yeah, Rabbi, um, the boy pointed to his arm. He said, no, this is uh, Grandfather Zayda's arm. He pointed to his head, he said, no, this is my head. And he pointed to, whatever he pointed to, he said, this is not Zayda. So the boy went, and he went to the other room, and he screamed, Zayda! And, and his grandfather came and he said, oh, that's Zayda. When I say Zayda, your name, it's not just a part of you. I'm calling you and you and your whole essence come to me. It's not just one part. You, who you are, and a name is connected to the essence of a person. And we find this a step further. 
Source 17. If a patient is sick with a serious illness, his or her name is or can be changed. When changing a man's name, the usual custom is to name him Chaim and the like. This serves as an auspicious omen. So, actually, my grandfather was, uh, was ill. Uh, passed away fairly young in his 60s. And before he passed away, they added a name to him. They added a name, Baruch. Baruch means blessing. There's such a concept in, in halacha to change a person's name, or usually to add a name. And usually that, the name that you're adding will be a, a name which has a meaning for Chayim, which means life, or Chaya in English, for a woman, or Alter, which means a long, Alta, which means a, you know, long life, old, um, a name, Raphael, which means healing, something like that. But we see there's such a concept. I mean, what's the, why would you add a name? What's the difference? I mean, his name is his name. You're just calling him by the name. Obviously, it's, it's like saying that if the person uh, with the name, whatever name it is, uh, let's say uh, David, had, had a decree on him, is, is, is destined to, to, to die or something like that. So we're adding a name. saying now it's a new He has another name. He's a different person. We're changing sort of the, the combination of his soul. We're changing his life. We're, we're, it's, it's not just a name. It's who he is. And it, has, it, has, it can have an effect on him. And as we see this clearly in the Talmud, my grandfather's name never lasted. It has, in order for a name to be accepted, it needs to last for at least 30 days. Unfortunately, he passed away within 30 days. But I've been part, when I was younger, in, in it's a whole uh, special ceremony and prayer. You have to have 10 men. You get together and you officially change the name and you, there's lots of prayers. But there's such a concept that somebody is, is really ill that such a thing can be done. Like we see, usually to add. Well, when you add a name, so... It's not just one. The, the person has a new name. His old name and his new name together. Now it's a new person. So you so, put is that what's on the tombstone? If the name lasted for 30 days, yes. I know another interesting thing. It's a little different. But uh, my great-grandfather, his name was Avram Simcha. Fortunately, he, he was from a city of Khust. And now it's part of Ukraine. Uh, unfortunately, he died on the death march. Or was killed on the death march. And my grandfather, my mother's father, uh, you know, survived uh, the camps and came to New York. And he wanted to, he had a son, my uncle, my mother's brother, and he wanted to give a name after his father. But his father died very young. And there's such a thing, not giving a name after somebody who died very young. Or someone who was, not just died young, but someone who was murdered. Because, again, you know, names are very significant. So, one, one uh, suggest one idea is to add a name. So my uncle has a, another name. He has a name, Chaim. Chaim, which means life. Chaim Avram Simcha. Avram Simcha, his grandfather, my great-grandfather, was killed very young. He was given that name with another name, Chaim, which means life. So, there's such a concept. Source, and we see this clearly in the Talmud, Source 18. A person's sentence is torn up on account of four types of actions. These are giving charity, crying out in prayer, a change of one's name, and a change of one's deeds for the better. So the Talmud tells us that one of the things that can change a decree is changing a name. Because it's a new thing, it's a new person. And then we find this clearly in the Torah. It's not something that the Talmud made up. It's clearly in the Torah. Where do we find name changing in the Torah? The first Jew. The first Jew and the first Jewess, Avram and Sarah, that was not their original name. Avram had a name, Avram's name was Avram, without the H, not Avraham, Avram. And his wife's name was Sarai, not Sarah, Sarai. And Avram and Sarah were childless for many years. God promised them a son. But Avram, it didn't happen so fast. And Avram took a concubine, took a woman, Hagar, and had a son, Ishmael. He was already 86 when that happened. And he's 99 years old. And his wife is 10 years behind him. And they still are childless. And then, you know, Avram is starting to give up. And God tells him, source 19, Your name shall no longer be called Avram, but your name shall be Avraham. Not a new name, but a change of a name. And I will make you exceedingly fruitful. And I will make you into nations. I will change your name and you will be fruitful. You will have children. You have a son. And from that son, Yitzhak, you, you will multiply into the nations. And God said to Avram and your wife, Sarai, you shall not call her name Sarai, for Sarah is her name. And I will bless her and I will give her a son from, from her, give you a son from her. And I will bless her and she will become a mother of nations. All right? 
And God explained this to Avram, the commentary says, Source 20, you have seen in the signs of the mazel, you know, of the zodiacs up there, that you are not destined to have a son. You are right, indeed. Avram will have no son. And Sarai will have no, no son. But Avraham and Sarah will have a son. Now, similarly, Sarai will not give birth, but Sarah will give birth. And I will give you another name, and your destiny will change. So we see that a name is very much connected. What is the name of all the Jewish people? What ought to be known as? The children of Israel. The Torah refers to B'nai Yisrael. Right? We said before, Yaakov was given a second name, Israel. Take the word Yisrael. Just one example. There's so many examples in Torah and in, in, in the Torah literature about the significance of different names. The meaning of different names. Yisrael. I should have printed it out. Yud. Israel in Hebrew. Right? Your name is Israel. Yud. Sin, Resh, Aleph, Lamed. Yud, the letter Yud. The name, just to show you that in the name that we're all called, we have within it all of our patriarchs and matriarchs. Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, and Leah. The Yud of Yisrael stands for Yitzchak, the first letter of Yitzchak, and Yaakov, Isaac and Jacob in Hebrew starts with a Yud. The Sin stands for Sarah. The Reish for Rachel, for Rivka, the Aleph for Avraham, and the Lamed for Leah. So we have Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. We have Sarah for Leah in the name. It's just showing you just a little bit. It shows us that the collective name of all Jewish people has meaning. That's just one idea. Interesting that it said that, similar to what it said here, that when somebody faints, the way we revive them is by their name, the Baal Shem Tov. The founder of the Hasidic movement was born in, in 1698 on the 18th day of Elul in Ukraine. He lived in Mezhibush. What was his first name? Yisrael. Yisrael Baal Shem Tov. And it said that the, the Baal Shem Tov was born 50, less than 50 years after the massacres of Chmielnitsky in, in, in the 1640s, right? It was 1648, 1649. And the Jewish people were, you know, hundreds of thousands of, of, of Jews were, were killed and, and hundreds of communities were wiped out and the Jews were in a very uh, state of despair. They were, they were crushed physically and spiritually. Came the Baal Shem Tov. The Jews were like fainted, if you can say. That's what it's brought. And the Baal Shem Tov uh, was called Yisrael. It was like waking, calling the name of the Jews, like a wake-up call and infused them with life and a new path of, of joy. The whole Hasidic movement to revive the Jewish people. It was their name. His name was Yisrael, calling the name, like the, calling the names of the Jewish people. <clears throat> Let's just finish here. It's getting you. <laughs> well, there's, this, there's this, this couple, a friend comes over to his, uh, is at his friend's house, and husband and wife are uh, conversing. And the friend notices that whenever the, the, his friend refers to his wife, he says, my darling, my dear, my, my sweetheart. And, you know, they're already an older couple in their 80s. And he was very impressed, you know, even being married for so many years, he still referred to his wife like that. And he um, commended his friend for that. He said, it's so, so nice to see that you call your wife with all these uh, love names. And he says, uh, I have no choice. I can't remember her name. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll, well, the last paragraph, we'll conclude it with some interesting uh, facts about uh, Jewish names. Some have accustomed, all kinds of Jewish names. Some have accustomed to name a child after a parent. It's a great honor for, for parents, for a child to name their child after their, their deceased parents. It's a great honor. To name after your grandparent is also an honor for your parents. So if I would... Uh, name my child after my father's father or my father's grand, you know, my father's parents, the father, I think that my grandmother is, is alive, that is a great honor. Um, I am named after my father's father. My father honored his father by naming me after his father. And many of my nephews carry my name. Uh, everyone gets mixed up because my brothers named their sons, or one of their sons, after their grandfather, which is an honor for, for the parents as well as my mother's father. But this is a Ashkenazi custom, not to name only after someone who is deceased. If you want to name after a relative, it should be after a deceased person. 
Okay. However, let's take a look at Source uh, 21. The custom among Ashkenazim is not to name a child after a person who is still living. The custom among Sepharadim is not to be particular about this. On the contrary, they consider it to be a form of honoring one's father and a protective charm for long life if a grandchild is named after a living grandparent. So in a Sephardi home, everybody has the same name even while they're, while they're alive. Another custom is to name after a holy person. It says uh, if, if, uh, if you name the name Avraham, so that's a, an omen that your child will be kind and generous like Avraham. Right? So names can also... Um, Although it's, a, it's a, a prophecy that is given to us, so we have the choice, sort of, you can, uh, um, what to name the child. And it has an effect. It could have an influence on what kind of person. We should not name a child with a not good name, with, an, uh, with the name of a Russia, of a wicked person. So it's ironic because when Matthew was born, we, we, my father was Avraham. Mm-hmm. But he died very young. He died at the age of 54. So Rifa said, no, let's say Avraham. Let's say? We went Avram. Avram? As opposed to the original Avram. Avram. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> really? That's interesting. I never heard that. So Robert, I, so I don't know if that's one. I'm wondering you now. So his name is Avram? Avram, we be Wow. So that, that's definitely, that's, I guess that's another option. I'm not, uh, I don't know everything, but one option is to change the name a little bit right? because the name has to be exact. We'll see in a second another example. If it's a little bit different, it's already a different name, but, but it's similar, right? So it's, it's still an honor. So one option would be to add a name or I guess to, to change the name a little bit. Another thing people do is name a child after uh, their teacher. Right, you have you have our spirit. We have our physical, our biological parents, and we have our spiritual parents, our our, our role models. Many people have a name Menachem Mendel, more than many, right? Or Yosef Yitzchak. My father is named after the previous Rebbe. My brother, and then that can be even when he's still alive. It's an honor because the Rebbe was named after his great great grandfather. So it's a it's a name, uh, and many times the Rebbe would actually give. Not usually the Rebbe wouldn't um, in, wouldn't mix in to what the parents should give. He would say it's the parents' prophecy, you know, but sometimes, especially if there was issues, um, if, you know, if there was, uh, they had problems giving birth or, or they were childless for many years, there were medical issues, so the Rebbe would, would say, give a name Anachemend or give the name like my father-in-law or give uh, Rabbi Shimon Bar give certain names that had, uh, you know, it could be a good blessing because the name is not just how we refer to the child. It carries the, you know, the divine energy and the makeup of the, of the neshama, the soul of the child. An interesting thing that uh, we personally experienced is source 22. A man must not marry a woman whose name is the same as his mother's name. If he did marry such a woman, the name should be changed. This is a test, the testament of Rabbi Yehuda Achosis. So this is not, uh, not uh, universally accepted. But many, there's a, there's a man named Rabbi Yehuda Chassid who lived a few hundred years ago, a great, uh, great uh, scholar and Kabbalist. We have his books there in the back. And he, and he wrote a Yitzavah, a testament. And there he writes different instructions. And one of the things it says there is that a man should not marry a woman who has the, name, the same name as his mother. All right? So my wife, everyone knows her as Chani, Chana, here in Seagate. But my mother's name is Chana. The Rebbe's mother's name was Chana. And she only had one name. My mother has one name. And it says here, we shouldn't, you shouldn't marry a woman. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to turn, you go to, you know, find another girl. But you should do something about it. So what the custom is, that we add a name. And that's why my wife added a name before we got engaged. She has another name, Rachel, Rachel Chana. And actually, my family, they only call her Rachel. Here she's called Chani, but uh, everyone else calls her, my family calls her Rachel, because it's not just a name, it has to be a name that's going to be used, you know, we have to, you have to make use of the name. And uh, many reasons are brought, this is more of a Kabbalistic idea, but one of the reasons is, out of respect for parents, it would cause him to call her by his mother's name in his mother's presence, which is forbidden. We don't refer to our parents by their name, that's not respectful, just like we don't refer to our teacher by their name. Um, and if my mother would be here, which she was, you know, my mother, my brother just got married last week and my mother was here actually on Sunday. My family came to visit and my wife is here. So if I called my wife and my mother is actually called Khani also, that's her nickname, right? Her original name is Khana. It would, it would be a disrespect. 
So now I can call it Rochel, and it's not disrespectful, that's one of the reasons. Uh, the concern is only when the exact and full Jewish and full Jewish names are identical, right? So if it would be a little different, if her name was Rachel Khan, her name was Hannah, then it's fine, right? And if that was the original name, it's also fine. And sometimes, even if they're called different, if there's something different, then this, this, uh, you know, it's it's not just it doesn't apply. Did she have to have the rabbi Yes, it had it had to be done by a Torah, as if uh, as if a woman just gave birth, you know. And the same thing, uh, if someone does not have a Jewish name for whatever reason. It's never too late. Many, you can always, we have a special text that we say by the Torah, and we can give a person a, a new name. Uh, a na- if they never had a Jewish name, they can be given, a, a boy can be given a name, a girl can be given a name, and usually if, if you already have a name, you can choose a name which is similar sounding to your regular name. Source 23, once a name, once child after a righteous person, for sometimes the name influences the person's behavior and destiny. That's a beautiful thing to give. We always try to give names of holy people, of, of good people, you know, family me- if it's a family member, or or uh, like in my family. I know, uh, thank God, I've we have twelve kids in my my parents have twelve children, and either it's grandmothers or grandfathers or the Rebetzins or or the Rebbes. You know, I have a brother. My brother just got married. His name is Shmuel, which was the which was the fourth Chabad Rebbe, uh, Menachem Mendel, and my father is Yosef, Yosef Yitzchak. And I have a brother Shalom Dovber, which was the third, the fifth Chabad Rebbe, and I have a brother Shneir Zalman, which was the first Chabad Rebbe, and it's also my family. Also, my great great grandfather was Menachem Mendel, but right, I'm named after my grandfather, and I have a brother uh, Arya Leib, which is my mother's father. But that's the custom to name after great people because the name can influence. So sometimes, right, you're not uh, you're not uh, secure. <laughs> You still have a free choice. And the same thing goes if someone for whatever reason has a name with not, not such a good connotation, they, they could also, they can change their name, but it doesn't mean that their free choice is taken away, but you know, they sort of have like a, uh, a lean. Who's Gita named after? Gita is named after, interesting. Gita is named after somebody who has the same name and last name as her. Her great, great grandmother. Um, Rifka's Mother, uh, Rivka's mother's mother, her name was Gita Taitlin. Her last name was, she's a far relative. So her name was Gita and her last name was Taitlin. So she passed away a few years ago. She, she was named after her. But then how does that work? Because Rabbi Penny's got a Gita. Yeah, for the same reason. Because Penny is Rivka's sister. So as long as it, so that's, they're all named after the same person. Same, that's okay. Yeah, yeah. It's not in the same immediate family. Where you won't, you won't have two children in the same family with the same name. So these are just some examples. One more here. Okay. Yeah. These are just some examples. There are other rules. There's a whole book here all about names. But uh, these are just some examples that we see that in Judaism a name is very significant. And we'll conclude with an interesting fa- uh, custom. Like uh, Hank likes loves customs, Jewish customs. There's a custom that. Source 24. It is proper to recite each day a verse beginning and ending with the same letters as one's name. Or else a a verse in which the name is mentioned. If one has several names, he should recite a verse for each name. Our custom is to recite this verse several times a day at the conclusion of the Shemona Asri prayer. So let me give you an example here. So my name is... Let's talk about Yoshua. I have two names. My first name is Yoshua. You used to do it? Brian Nelson did it. You can still do it. In the Shemona Esrei. So in the Shemona Esrei, the, 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 what's the Shemona? The quiet, the silent prayer, the Amida, when we stand up and we're quiet, we have the, the 19 blessings. And at the end, before we take three steps back, and we see Osa uh, Shalom. So right before, over there, there is a spot where we can add a prayer. And you, by the way, you can add any prayer. But our custom is, this is the Chabad custom, and it's sourced in, in Kabbalah to say a verse which begins and ends with the letters of her name. So my name is Yoshua, starts with a Yud. Right, where, where does that paper go? Yoshua starts with a Yud and finishes with an Ayin. So we're going to look for a verse, and they have it already all collected, you can find it easily, which starts with a Yud and ends with an Ayin. Any verse in the whole Bible, in the whole Tanakh, in the whole 24 books of the Torah. So the verse that I say is in chapter 72, in, in uh, Tehillim, in Psalms, okay, if you can see here, it starts with the word Yachos, 
which is a Yud, Yochos, and it finishes Yoshia, which is an Ayin. So it starts with a Yud, ends with an Ayin, and that is connected to my name. And my second name is Heshel, and I'll find another thing in chapter 5 of Psalms, which starts with one verse, which starts with an Hey, and finishes with a Lamed. And they have lists of, you can find for your name. The same thing if somebody goes to a grave. Well, it's a custom to say the verses of Psalms, which are corresponding to the person's name. Start with, the verse starts with the letter of his name, finishes the whole system, how to say it. And other times, other uh, things. But this is a custom. If somebody wants to uh, start this custom, I'll be happy to show them uh, your verses. And, you know, first you could uh, make a copy and put it in your sitter. Eventually you just learn it by heart. Uh, I've been saying it since I'm in second grade. And this is a beautiful custom. And some even have a custom to also say their teachers, like the, the, the Rebbe's verses of his name. Like, Matovu. Matovu Allah Yaakov Mishkinosecha Yisrael, which starts the prayers. Starts with a Mem and finishes a Lamed, which is Mendel. Second, the Rebbe's second name. So this is, a, this is a custom where we see that names are not just... We decide we had a conference. Where do we have the conference? And uh, for the Yiddish language or some language, we had a conference. We decided this is a table and this is a chair. Chernovitz, right? If, if at the same price, we could have said this is a chair and this is a table. Everyone would have been happy. But in Hebrew, in the ancient language, it's not like that. The name, the Hebrew letters, are the makeup of the of the item, makeup of the animal, makeup of the person. And when we choose a name. We should be careful how we select a name and a Jewish name. And that's, what show, that's how it showed Adam was so wise. And when Moses wanted that he should be influenced for the good, he actually changed his name. He said, Yehoshua. Right? He changed it. It became part of his name. It became part of his makeup. It became part of his soul. And it did influence him. So we see here the great importance of names. I hope uh, that was uh, enlightening. And... Oh.